Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Cretans, Cretans. <laughs> uh, speaking of Cretans, yes. went up to uh, so after so after our lovely trip to Singapore, uh-huh. and uh, I, I tell you, so I'm in Korea. I'm eating street food. I'm getting coughed on and sneezed on in the subway. <laughs> you know, same same thing in Singapore. Yeah, same thing in Japan. I'm fine. Three weeks, no problems. Not even so much as like a like a fart. Um, yeah. Doing great. Compared and, uh, to what Chris told us we could expect in the Far East. Right, right. No, no. So I don't know if it was like one of the last things I ate in Japan or I'm thinking one of the flight attendants went to the, <laughs> went to the bathroom, came back, had a poopy finger, stuck it in my drink while, you know, stirring the ice with her finger and then like gave it to me. <laughs> But by the time I got back home, man, I was firing liquid out my behind like you wouldn't believe. Like, a, like you know, one of them lawn sprinklers. It's coming, you know, nonsense, you know, like a fire hose. It was, like, it was a brutal. And, uh, I mean, I, I just made it back from the airport and blam. And it, for eight Solid days, eight days. Wow! I after full blown, the, oh, that's loud. That's like full blown dysentery. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, I got the typhoid. I gotta get something. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the Zika. I gotta add the Zika or something. <laughs> and um, so, I it's just brutal, and it's like every two hours. Oh wow! I mean, I can't sleep. Nothing, and you know. I know, you know, hydrate, you know, all this stuff. So I'm doing all that. Day three, day four, I'm calling the doctor. I'm like, hey, you know, I think something's wrong here. Maybe we <laughs> ought to check this out. And they're like, all right, we'll do some stool samples, but, uh, you know, uh, keep hydrating and, uh, you know, eat eat a bland diet. <laughs> like a bland <laughs> diet? What's a bland diet going to do for me? And, you know, I understand the hydrating part, but, you know, how about throwing me some miracle meds or something? Kill the, the uh, you know, the butt slug that has taken residence up in my gut. So here I'm three, four days, five days, six days, and the doctor's like, yeah, you know, uh, do you have a fever? You know, do you see blood? I'm like, I see lots of things. You know, I eat salad. I see like whole pieces of lettuce coming out. Yeah, <laughs> just like fifteen minutes later, salad, bowl full of salad. Did you try any probiotic yogurt, perhaps? Uh, well, all right. So yeah, you know, you try the yogurt, nothing. I mean, you know, yogurt in, yogurt out. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. So I had to speak at the uh, at the Sacramento. Uh, uh, what you call oh, that thing? Uh, Cal Brew. Yeah, the uh, craft, brew conference. craft brew conference, the summit or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had agreed to speak a long time ago. And I was thinking to myself, like Friday night, I'm thinking, you know, Tasty will be there. I could get him to do it for me. <laughs> it's a talk on advanced homebrewing. I like Tasty will take it over for me, and I won't have to go. I'm like, you know. I don't, you know, I I, I canceled so many things during that time. Including this show and other shows and other stuff that I'm like, no, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not that bad. I'll just go and, you know, tough it out. I'm getting there. I'm dizzy. I can't, I've, 
I ended up like sitting down on stage. I'm just like, I had to tell everybody <laughs> I'm sitting down because I don't have any strength left. And because uh, it's been like eight days, no sleep, you know, no food staying in me. And um, we were giving out cans of Evil Twin during the uh, talk. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take one. <laughs> so they're telling me avoid alcohol. Uh, right. No, I drank some Evil Twin. And I think, you know, the uh, antibacterial nature of hops? Twin uh-huh, has a massive amount of hops in it. Um, not high alpha hops, but a ton of uh, hops in it. And I swear, drinking that really just, it, after a few minutes, it calmed my stomach down. I think the alcohol kind of, you know, uh-huh. deadens the nerves. And yeah. I think the, the hops started killing everything off. And so I drank that. I think I drank another one. I was like, all right, all right, that's helping. And then they're like, you know, bland food. Well, I got Saturday before getting on, or Sunday before getting on the plane. I'm watching some football. I'm like, screw it, bland food. How much worse can it get? You know what? Is it like <laughs> fire going to come out my ass? So I, I have this uh, this uh, garlic hot salsa. Mm-hmm. I'm like, chips and salsa, baby. A big so bowl of just, salsa. Just went the full way. You're oh, yeah. Like, I'm going the exact I'm going to do it. Whatever my, I'm going my idiot doctor is telling my me, I'm doing the opposite. hurting just hearing the oh. story. <laughs> so I'm shoveling in the salsa. I eat like half a jar of this stuff, including, including the, the chips. And uh, I'm like, well, what the hell? Yeah. yeah I mean, if it's going to go, it's going to go. Yeah, I can't stop it, you know. So I, my wife drives me to the airport. Um, like, all right, you know, maybe I better crap before getting on the plane, you know, so I'm not blowing my, my guts all over the plane, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you think snakes on a plane is, is scary. You know, just wait until you see this. Um, Different kind of snakes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Water snakes. Um, so... Uh, no, I you know I, at the bathroom in the airport it's like nothing. I'm like, well, I don't know, could come on any moment. But my guts aren't even gurgling for eight days. My guts have been gurgling nonstop, and it had stopped. It had stopped pretty much after drinking the really hoppy beer. Drowned it in evil twin. I think I drowned it in alcohol, and uh, I think if you go too high alcohol, I think that can be bad. You know, I can give you the shits if you drink too much, right? It's like a bell curve. But but just, yeah, just a little bit of alcohol, lots of hops, and then the garlic also is uh, proven to, I mean, they they have given garlic to cattle to uh, reduce methane production. Um, so it, it kills off the bacteria that produce methane. So I think all these things, instead of a bland diet, some hoppy beer, some chips and salsa, you'd be fine. And yeah. so I get to, from then on, nothing, no problem. I, as a matter of fact, you know, the, the rebound effect of your body, I was constipated in Boise. I'm like, geez, <laughs> I haven't crap for three days. <laughs> plus, plus, I was hungry. Oh, the other way. Plus, I was hungry because I had not been able to keep anything inside me for the past eight days, and so I'm like shoveling in everything, and it's not coming out. I'm like getting bigger and bigger. I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, I better eat something really greasy, and you know, my wife's like, no, don't do that. I'm like, no, the greasiest thing I can find, and. uh Jamil, you're the only non-Jewish person that I know that can fill up 15 minutes talking about bodily functions like this. <laughs> but it, it cured me. It totally cured me. I think if I had not drank that beer and eaten that, that spicy salsa, that I'd probably still be sick. But whatever I, it was, killed it off. I'm prepared to believe that. There you go. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure our good friend John Blickman would agree with me. Oh yes, I bet you he, he would. has many similar stories involving his bodily functions. True. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure if he was in the toiletries game instead of the uh, the uh, homebrew game, well, you know, he'd, he'd fact, come up with some new inventions. Yes, uh, we have talked inventions <laughs> a couple of times. You know, yeah, things that could help the uh, avid uh, brewer uh-huh. in the. Uh, sanitary area. Yes. But, um, you know, so far he felt that was not his core business and hasn't come out with him. So it's core business. Wait till he's got eight days after coming back from uh, Asia 
and uh, it'll be it'll be on the, the forefront of his uh, production schedule. <laughs> after that, I can pretty much guarantee that. Well, if you like our our good friend John Blickman's gear, he's got uh, amazing stuff. Um, he's got all the. Uh, uh, you know, Tower of Power. There's also uh, all the Anvil Brewing products, which is kind of, uh, uh, you know, just as solidly built, uh, yep. but, uh, you know, a little uh, lower cost. There's there's some cost savings in there from just trimming a few of the bells and whistles, but keeping all the, the sturdy, uh, good brewing quality. I, I, you can get the Anvil uh, Brewing gear yep. uh, and check out uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. they got all the latest and greatest stuff there. Uh, send them an email, feedback at, bring, at BlickmanEngineering.com, and tell them how much you enjoy this show so he keeps cracking open the checkbook every month. All right. <laughs> today, uh, live Q&A. Q stands for questions, and A stands for answers. Porno Steve. All right. What is your guys' pros and cons of an LP burner versus a Blickman boil coil? Efficiency, risk of hops, or LME scorching on element? Element. Element. Yeah. It's Missed kind of the, a very weird email. That email came in, came in at two parts. Uh. The second part of the email was a T and a period. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> I don't think I'll need that part. I think I'll save a page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't used the, uh, the coil. This well, is an le- electrical coil, John? Yeah. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a brew easy. And um, I've used it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, John and I brewed on um, the. I have the five gallon brewsy. Mm-hmm. He has the ten gallon one at home, mm-hmm. and we brewed on that. We brewed a Kolsch on it, and you know it does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing about uh, his particular coil is that it's yeah, like lo- John's coil, huh? Yeah, it's low density. Um, it's got a so, low density coil. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, it re- really reduces the amount of scorching that you could get mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uh, a heating coil like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to clean. Right. Um, you can take it out if you want to mm-hmm. and clean it uh, separately. But, you know, it, like I say, it's 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 like three loops around the inside of the, of the kettle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of surface area, therefore... Um, you know, not as hot in any particular zone, so you reduce the scorching, mm-hmm. well, but it'll and, uh, bring the bring the water to a boil within right. twenty minutes, same as a as a burner. Well, a couple of thoughts from my end is um, you always want a coil that's easy to remove and clean because yep. if it's not, it just becomes a baked on nasty mess, and right. that's no good because you can scorch those compounds, those proteins and stuff, and that can end yeah. up in off flavors in your beer as well. I like the low density, um, not only because of scorching, but just because of uh, thermal loading. Um, yeah. You know, that's one of the drawbacks to, you know. We talked about that a couple shows ago. Yeah, when you have a, like a, a big ring burner and there's lots of little jets all the way around, that's much better for your beer, I think, than a single jet that's, you know, focused on one spot of the kettle. I think you get, uh, you know, uh, I, th- I think that's not as... Uh, good a solution as you know the spread out thing it's for the same reason on uh, you know on this coil I think that that could be uh, you know uh, a yeah. real benefit yeah. as far as LME scorching um, if you dissolve your LME in, in cold water first um, it gets mixed in really nice and then you can just pour it in and it's hard, much harder to scorch the LME right um, or I mean DME um, LME, yeah, you know, uh, you can mix it in with some hot water uh, separate and then pour it in same way. So you mm-hmm. don't just throw a glob in the bottom. You could take, right. a, take a separate little pot, take some, take some liquid out of your kettle, mix it with your LME, get it thinned out, then pour that whole thing in. Good point. Uh, you know, and then you just scorching is just a thing of the past, no matter what system you're doing. Um, otherwise... Turn off your burner, whatever it may be, right. and uh, pour in your LME and then stir, 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 stir. But, you know, still, it, it, you know, since a lot of times the wort's dark, it's hard to see whether you've dissolved the LME or not. Yeah, yeah. So I've there been several times brewing on a stovetop where, um, you know, the, the kettle's sitting there, you pour the LME, and even though the heat's off, mm-hmm. 
um, it'll still stick to the bottom. Right. And I've seen flakes floating around afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. little black mm-hmm. flakes. It's like, darn it, I should have stirred more before right. I turned the heat back on. Right, right. Yep. So I, I, I always liked to... Uh, I mean, I did, I did, you know, multi-extract for, you know, I don't know, a year or two. Um, but, uh, you know, I pretty much found the easiest way is to just, you know, dissolve it first in something else. Yeah, yeah. And then there you go. All right. Good question. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will have more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your Brew Easy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The Brew Easy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your Brew Easy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new Brew Easy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Grog tags aren't just for labeling your home brews to hand out to your friends. They're the perfect way to round out your personal brewing marketing. Bringing your latest beer to a funeral? Craft a metal sign to go with it. Heading out to Little Liam's Bar Mitzvah? Grog Tag custom bottle caps are awesome. Couldn't get out of jury duty this year? Grog Tag the hell out of the deliberation room with reusable labels. Grog Tag has an awesome array of products just waiting to be customized by you. Metal signs, coasters, tasting mats, bottle caps, tap handles. It's all there waiting for your designs at Grog Tag. Liven up your next party with the widest selection of custom products ever offered by a sponsor of the Brewing Network. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. 
Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. John, have you tried the uh, Brew Guru app from the AHA yet? Yes. You know, I've been having a lot of fun playing with that. It's uh, very informative. I mean, you can look up brew pubs, bars, you know, bottle shops, homebrew stores. Right. And especially those that have the AHA discount, which is very handy. Yeah, it'll show you which ones have the discount, which ones don't. It's all the like the AHA database of all this stuff. If you're a, yeah. a, a member, um, you know you get those discounts, and uh, the app makes it very easy to find. I found that app to be quite fast. Even the mapping of oh, yeah. you know, what was around, it seemed faster to me than Google Apps or Google Google Maps. When I check Google for like a brewery or something, it gives me like you know. A couple of weird things like coffee shops and i mean it's, it's working worse now you'd think google search would work better for breweries now since breweries are such a big deal but you know it's giving me stuff that's closed stuff that's moved so you know so yeah, based off the ha uh database i think or the ba database i think is, is brilliant so check it out it's a free app that you can uh, download from uh all the app places that you would go, like, you know, uh, the Google Play Store and uh, the uh, Apple Store. Mm-hmm. Um, it works on iPhone, iPad, Android devices. Uh, like I said, it's free. And uh, it's even got some uh, hand-picked articles and recipes and stuff uh, available through that uh, interface as well. So uh, very cool. I think uh, very useful. I have it on my phone. I know next time I'm going out looking for beer and stuff when I'm traveling, I'm going to hit that thing. And, and even with the, the pace that breweries are opening now, right? it'd be awesome just to, you know, pop it up every once in a while where you live and say, oh, wow, there's a new brewery two feet away yeah. from me. Yeah, the HA is going to hear the BA is going to keep up on that. Yeah. Probably better than Google will. Right. I mean, that's that's their industry. So yeah. there you go. All right, uh, next question there, Porno Steve. All right, this one's about beer foam. I just listened to your podcast about beer foam and one-time foaming proteins. After cooling my wort, I run the wort through a fine mash strainer to filter out some of the larger leftover particles and to aerate it for fermentation. This sometimes creates a lot of foam in the fermenter, and when I pour my beer out of my kegs, tend not to get a lot of head. I was wondering if filtering through the fine mesh strainer is making the foaming proteins break apart so I can't get a good head later on when I try to drink my beers. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, tended to say no. Uh, based on my own experience and, and Blickman's, I think there's enough beer foaming protein in the beer so that pouring it through a strainer shouldn't be a problem. Um, it may be a contributing factor, but I imagine you have something else going on with your brews that are also contributing to um, less head retention, whatever that may be. I agree with you, John. I think um, there's still plenty of foaming proteins in there. I think the problem is either going to be bacterial or mm-hmm. uh, a wild yeast or, you know, it could be, you know, some oil in somewhere, some Something's breaking the head down. Could be dirty glassware. Could be you know dirty lines. Could be all sorts of things. Um, yeah, it could be you know it could be too long in the fermenter on the yeast. Yeast mm-hmm. breaking down, releasing lipids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a number of possible factors. Right, and it's you know people go well, what is it? Well, it's it's nearly impossible to say without tasting the beer. And you know, tasting the beer is you know one of the perhaps one of the best ways of detecting what is wrong with the beer even when you right. see something like head retention you're like ah you know it's i detect with my little tongue um you know contamination of some sort or something like that yeah so 
that's most likely where that issue lies. Good question, though. I'm sure a lot of people have uh, similar concerns. similar concerns. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, this one's about uh, starter times on a stir plate. Um, apparently, you guys answered some of his questions regarding this on another podcast, another Q and A. Um, he says that you recommended leaving a starter on a stir plate for no longer than 18 to 24 hours since all the yeast growth would be finished and all the sugars used up in that amount of time. Uh, wouldn't the timing vary depending on the size of the starter, assuming you begin with the same number of yeast cells? It seems like the yeast in a single packet would take longer to chew through the 500 grams of DME in a 5-liter starter work than the 200 grams in a 2-liter starter? Or is the initial yeast growth phase so explosive that it catches up in 18 to 24 hours as a universal recommendation? Yeah, it's a universal recommendation. Um, it, it could be, your growth could be done in, you know, eight hours. Your growth can be, it can extend out to maybe, you know, 30 hours or 48 yeah. hours, but... Right. Generally, um, you're, the amount of growth you're going to get, I mean, maybe there's still sugar for the yeast to consume, but the amount of growth you're going to get is done within 24 hours. You're just not actually getting more yeast past that time. Yeah. There's, uh, in the next edition of How to Brew, you'll see a, a table I've put in where you kind of, I've attempted to kind of balance these two factors. You know, how much yeast you pitch to the starter versus how large the starter is in volume. And if you if you pitch too much yeast to too small a starter, you're not going to get very much growth. All you're really doing is just waking the yeast up. Whereas if you pitch, you know, a very a small number of yeast to a very large starter, like one packet to five liters, you know, they're going to be working on that starter for, you know, three days before they finish it. It's almost like pitching to a full mm-hmm. wort. But the growth was done. Yeah, the growth right was done earlier. So It's just making beer after that. Right. So, you know, um, choosing your pitch volume to your starter volume is, is, is an important aspect of making a starter, understanding that kind of balance. Um, generally, you know, one packet to one liter, one packet to two liters, two packets to three, two packets to four liters. That's the ballpark you want to be in. Um, and you'll get, you know, all that growth happening within about 24 hours. So, you know, have it on a stir plate for that period of time, then turn off the stir plate, let the yeast relax, build up the reserves and become ready to go. Well, and, and one of the reasons you want to turn it off is, you know, you want the yeast to start settling out, too, so that, yeah. um, you know, you can decant off the spent wort and uh, just, just go with the yeast. So um, the sooner you can get that thing turned off, the the better off you're going to be. Yep. So there you go. Good question. All right. Uh, let's tackle one more. This one's kind of general question. Um this is BN. I am an avid home brewer and listener of the BN. Brew Strong, among others, have kept me company over three years of solo night shift work. I've learned a lot, and I genuinely feel absorbing your knowledge has greatly improved my homebrew. In a little over a week, I began my new work as a cellarman in a local brewery. As proprietors and brewers, any advice you could give to a new brewery employee would be invaluable. Sir, I would not be in this position if it were not for craftsmen like yourselves, fueling the passion of so many people. Thank you for all contributing to the wealth of knowledge and entertainment that the BM has become. I think continue your kiss-ass ways when you're talking to your employer. <laughs> I think that's one. You know, yeah. good job of uh, sucking up. Uh, no, you know, when I saw this question, I was thinking about you know how it is at our brewery and. Um, you know, the, the kinds of people that we employ and, and what makes them so successful. It makes those people so I never want to let them go. And, um, you know, it's it's the fundamental things. It's, you know, them being bright, uh, inquisitive, uh, wanting to uh, do a good job and, uh, you know, working hard. And, you know, they they learn their tasks and they'll, they'll spend their own time to study and get better at it. And, um, so that they are, you know, they're just valuable people, you know, they, 
I I can't imagine you know letting one of them go because you know they they just prove their worth every day that they work. Yeah, they bring something extra to the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not just plodding through. We had one guy that was kind of plodding through and uh, uh, just had to let him go because he wasn't really you know, taking any initiative. We don't want people to change things, you know, without, you know, we discuss it as a team, but we want people to be able to execute, you know, to learn the reason why we do something, you know, learn, you know, what our, you know, our overall goals are for the brewery and, and, uh, you know, for what we do. And then, uh, you know, apply that to any situation that comes up. So, Rather than, you know, having to be told, well, you know, yeah, this is kind of the same as what you were just doing. Uh, you know, <laughs> here's how you do it. And be taught every little thing. You know, we get people that they're like, oh, well, you know, we're trying to make sure everything's, you know, 100% sanitary. So everything I do needs to be 100% sanitary. We need, you know, closed systems. We need, you know, they understand the, uh, you know, what it is that makes, you know, what we do sanitary. Yeah. And because of that, that makes them extremely valuable to me. Jamil, you gave a really good talk there at the Southeast Asia Brewers Conference on quality and what quality means to a brewery. Well, and I, I think a lot of those points, you know, uh, funnel into this question, really. Mm-hmm. You know, where you think about quality all the time. Um, and it it's part of, you know, your part of your job as an employee at a brewery, you know, Think about quality. Think about what you can do to take that to the next level. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you said it very well there. Some of those points may be useful here. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, I think, uh, like you're saying, uh, you want people that are going to, you know, benefit your your brewery and, and uh, ensure that, uh, you know, the production is of high quality. And if you have to handhold somebody every time, it's great yeah. to ask questions. It's and it's a balancing act. If you don't ask enough and you think you know everything, that's a dangerous employee. Right. Because yeah. you may not. But you know, you should be able to say, "Hey, you know, I just wanted to double check. I'm thinking of doing this this way. This is the first time I'm doing it. I just want to check with you. This is, you know, the way you want things done." And, you know, this is why I'm doing it that way. You know, they'll be impressed. They'll be like, oh, great. You know, they're checking to make sure because it's the first time they've done it. But they also understand why it is we do things the way we do them. That's a great employee versus somebody who either doesn't check and screws things up or checks every time and never learns the concepts uh, and has no idea what what they might be. Right, Um, right. There you go. I think... I don't know, unless you got more to add to that, John, I think, I think I'm no. dropping the mic on that one. Yep. All right. Uh, I'll Short tell you break. what. If you want to uh, learn about uh, the craft of uh, brewing and uh, a lot of uh, brewing industry stuff, uh, you want to pursue a career in uh, brewing in the beer industry, you're going to want to check out the Business of Craft Beer. It's a class being offered by the Food Craft Institute in Oakland, California. The course is going to run from October 22nd through November 19th, so you're going to need to sign up for that thing right away. Uh, enrollment deadline is October 10th. Even if you're a little late, just get a hold of them, see if you can squeeze in there. Course curriculum covers uh, everything from recipe development, brewing techniques, sourcing ingredients, equipment, permitting, licensing, business planning, finance, marketing, all taught by brewery owners and industry experts from throughout the Bay Area. Yeah, they're going to do beer style and off-flavor tasting workshops by uh, Nicole Ernie. They are going to uh, visit some breweries. They're going to visit uh, 21st Amendment, Drake's, uh, Fort Point, and Magnolia. So for more information, go to foodcraftinstitute.org and hit the courses menu at the top. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, more of your questions right after this. Hey there, BN. 
Indian Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grain Fathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality homebrewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4 p.m pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the williams way Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Oh, speaking of Nate, 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 kombucha. John, are you interested in making kombucha? You know, I am. I've had, I had some really good kombucha beer last week. Yeah, you want to turn it into a business, or you need just a refresher on your best practices? I think a refresher is probably what I'm looking for. Well, there you go. You can join White Labs for a two-day course taught in collaboration with Mananova. Instruction is going to cover the science and process behind kombucha from microbiology, fermentation, formulation, scaling up, and choosing the right equipment to dealing with common issues. You know them common issues with kombucha. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what those are, but hey, yeah. Uh, you can register at yeastman.com before October 18th, yeastman.com. All right. Uh, next question, uh, pornographic Stephen. All right. This is about yeast lag time. Mm-hmm. Is a lag time of 12 to 18 hours a definitive sign that you are pitching good, healthy yeast at optimum pitch rate into well-oxygenated wort at an optimal temp? Can you have a "quote unquote" good lag time without these components? You got it. <laughs> um. Well, you know, <laughs> so lag time is really dependent on uh, growth and a lot of other factors. Um, you know, what nutrients you're providing, your pitching rates. You know, a lot of different things. Um, so I think it's possible to have shorter lag times and a better situation. I think, you know, if you start getting up past, I think, 24 hours, 
that's kind of a bit long of a lag time. You should see some activity, you know, in the yeah. 12 to 18 hour range. Um, I generally, so to go back to one of the earlier questions of, you know, 18 to 24 hours on growth, growth is also what's happening when you pitch your yeast into your beer. And it's that time of growth that's happening. And then, you know, it, it switches over into fermentation. And, um, you know, I, I think if you're getting fermentation like in an hour, eh, you're not getting any growth. True. Um, you know, starting to see some fermentation at eight hours on, yeah, okay. You know, eight to 12, yeah, all right. Um, if it's taking longer than, you know, 1824, then I think you've got a problem. Probably have a leak in your airlock, for one thing. <laughs> Did you say I have a leaky airlock? Yes. <laughs> it's um, just dripping. It's not leaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, Jamil. I think um, lag time is adaptation. The yeast are thrown into an environment. They've got to look around, see what enzymes they need, see what, you know, start their, their protein and amino acid synthesis, lipid synthesis. Taking up oxygen. Um, once they've done that, they're going to start growing, and they're going to grow a little bit in physical size, and then they're going to start reproducing. Um, a long lag time can mean um, that there's not enough nutrients in the wort for them to, mm. you know, do much growth early on. That mm -hmm. they're they're struggling to adapt and, and get down to work. Mm -hmm. Um, very short They're lag having time. To make sterols from, yeah, oxygen and and lipids. Right, but uh, you know they're struggling with oxygen and you know uh, one right. of the, the the better ways for it to to be making lipids. Yeah, so sterols. It, mm -hmm. long lag time can mean can mean low oxygen levels. It can mean that the temperature is too cool. Mm -hmm. um, short lag time could mean you potentially overpitched. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of factors that could be causing, you know, changes right. in lag time. But once lag time's over, they're going to start reproducing and start attenuating. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do that until they run out of their guts or their lipid reserves that allow them to divide. And once they do that, that's when they start flocculating and, you know, stop, uh, basically stop fermenting. So... Pitching rate has a lot to do with it as well. Mm -hmm. Did we answer the question? I think we did. We tried anyway. All right. Next question. Good morning, all. I was just listening to a recent Q&A episode, and you were talking about adjusting pH with lactic or phosphoric acid. For the past few years, I've been using citric acid. I'm mm -hmm. guessing citric acid has a more pronounced character than lactic or phosphoric. But with the amount I use, which is uh, a little more than a fourth, one-fourth tea for a five-gallon batch, I don't taste it. Neither have any of the judges and competitions I've entered. Is there any reason to rethink using citric acid for pH adjustment? Well, no, if you're not t tasting it, then you're probably fine. Right, but I think it's going to depend on... You know, for for that, uh, maybe for this one person where their water is real soft and um, there's not a lot of buffering in the water, yeah. you know, that that tiny bit of acid is enough. But if, if someone else were to hear this somewhere else where they have a more highly buffered water and they, they, yeah, them, yeah. they need a ton of uh, acid... Uh, it's going to be tasted. And maybe this person's referring to, maybe they're just brewing, uh, you know, hoppy IPAs and pale ales, and a little bit of citric character is fine in in those beers. But if you're making a German lager or you're making, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, a porter or something like that, you don't want that kind of character in there. So... I think that there's reasons not to use uh, citric acid. I think it's fine when you're doing something like I'm saying, fruity or something, um, uh, 
you know, where that character could be uh, ingrained in what you're doing. It it could even be helpful. But, you know, use caution. It's not, you know, okay across the board. So maybe it's fine for him. And, and just saying, oh, no judge ever tasted. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> you know, just depends. So maybe maybe he's been supplying it to lousy judges. Who knows? Uh, pardon me. Not like sober people like me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Let's see. We got uh, one more on your end uh, there, Porno Steve. Right. Yep. Let's read that one. This one's about calcium and flocculation. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Hello, oh, Jamil and John. Does WLP001 or Y yeast? 1056, need a higher concentration of calcium in the wort when used in higher gravity wort, such as 1.060 to 1.070, versus a lower gravity wort, such as 1.040 to 1.050, to help facilitate flocculation. Uh, well, I'll... I'll start um jimmy you may have more practical experience to throw at this um from what i've read in the rid literature um only a small amount like five ppm is actually necessary for flocculation to occur um the recommendation for 50 ppm or 100 ppm to encourage good beer clarity that's probably due to other effects on clarity, such as, you know, uh, protein coagulation and so on. Uh, I have not seen anything published um, as far as cl- calcium concentration as a function of wort gravity or beer gravity as far as, you know, um, optimal beer clarity. Uh, Jamil, anything in your experience shed a light on this? Well, I think... Um, as your work gravity goes up, assuming it was with uh, malt-based, um, you tend to get minerals uh, from the malt and in increasing concentration as well. So you can get right. calcium from the malt. You can get uh, other minerals from the malt that can take the place for, for flocculation, right? Um, and so because it's a higher gravity beer, there tends to be more in there already, so you're good. Right. Yep. So I, I would I would tend not to worry about. It. I'd never heard of that as an issue, but uh, you know, good thinking. I think uh, the listener is you know grasping the concepts of you know maybe this is different in this different kind of situation, and so mm-hmm. it's it's a good question, one that I had not thought of before. But I think that that's the that's where I would go. I'd be like, well, it's probably taking care of itself. Yeah. I guess one other aspect would be that higher gravities are going to have more protein, hmm. more prefer- more potential for oxalate mm-hmm. formation, mm-hmm. which could pull more calcium as a you mm-hmm. know, overall total calcium out of wort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think it would all be proportional. You know, more malt, right. more available calcium, right. more calcium being used, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just don't have a lot of data on that. Right, right. But I... Uh, I think, uh, like you're saying, it's all proportional. It's all, uh, I mean, maybe if you were doing something where there's a high adjunct level, but even then. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, not, I've not seen any uh, negative impact uh, based off of that. So, yeah, I think I think you'd be good. Okay. All right. Um, don't forget the... Uh, Oh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Sponsor? <laughs> uh, no, the uh, people, those, those ah. folks. The uh, the celebration. They are uh, having a celebration uh, uh, event, uh, the Gold uh, the gold Country uh, Homebrewers. Uh, they are on October 8th going to have their uh, competition at uh, YOLO Brewing in uh, Sacramento. It's too late to send in your entries, so maybe next year, but not too late to help. You hear this? Get yourself on down on October 8th to uh, Yola Brewing and help out 
the celebration and the good people at uh, the Gold Country uh, Home Brewers. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, one more question right after this. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. heard about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast, packaged using their FlexCell process, ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, FlexCell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong if you want to uh learn disgusting homebrew uh try some uh, dr homebrew shows 
If you have disgusting homebrew, send it to Dr. Homebrew. I'm sure they would appreciate it. No, what they do mm-hmm. is they actually uh, get beers in from listeners, and then they uh, do a BJCP judging right there on the air, and they, they write up score sheets, and then they give you their honest feedback on it. And uh, it's pretty cool. And they like to give uh, pointers and tips on how to make it better. Uh, awesome, awesome show. And uh, it's all free from thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, and if you have questions for Brew Strong, you can email in brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. Or you can listen live and you can chat with the lovely Abivo. And she will <laughs> stick a finger up her nose. <laughs> While she is listening <laughs> and uh, taking your questions in. And, uh, for example, we have a question from... Craft Beer Geek. Okay. It says, you guys have talked about raising pH when dry hopping. Has there mm. been a def- has there been any defined evidence as to why? Is it simply because hops are vegetal, vegetal by nature? I've mm. heard uh, a few things. Um I think when uh, when we were first talking about this, people were talking about uh, you know like phosphorus in the in the soil or in fertilizers that are being added and those carrying over and somehow getting in the beer and causing it that way or you know there's some some compound in the in the tops that are that are doing it. Um, yeah, um, I haven't heard any more about that since. Yeah, me either. I mean, uh, alpha acids are slightly acidic, but, you know, uh, on the order of um, hundredths rather than tenths. Mm -hmm. So I really wouldn't expect to see a big change, you know, in terms of the vegetal matter of the hop pulling alpha acid out of solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, not not sure what to say there. Right. It's got to be some sort of, uh, you know... um uh, phosphorus or something, right? That would yeah. Uh, it's got to be some change in the whole, in the buffering structure of the wort, right? Or right. Beer. It's adding more buffering. Yeah. And that buffering is causing the pH to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know how much it goes up. Even uh, it goes up. I mean, it's it's it, that's been fairly defined. Um, it was like you know a tenth per you know three-quarter pound per barrel or something like that. I don't mm. remember the exact numbers are, but um, it's not uh, unheard of to not see trivial. it go up, uh, uh, you know, three-tenths, um, a half. Okay. I mean, it's substantial. It makes yeah. a tremendous difference, and it, it it changes the character of the beer. Yeah. Um, when I talked with Vinny, we asked him if he was doing any adjustments back down with acid and he said no we tried adjusting it down with acid when we got back down to where it should be some people like the beer i didn't like the beer Uh, um so then we started compromising and then and then we started doing more of an acid adjustment in the mash and and just starting a little bit lower so that when the dry hops were added um the end result was not too high, and so that's how we're taking care of it now. And uh, that seems like the best of both worlds. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it definitely, it absolutely happens, and uh, happens tremendously. Well, what what kind of uh, NPH are you looking for in those beers? Well, it depends on the beer, but generally, <clears throat> you know, in the 4.2 to 4.4 range. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depends. I don't. And if they're sours, of course, you know they're lower, much yeah. lower. But uh, in, in that range, tends to be adequate. Like the the, the best overall balance. That's kind of traditional too. Yeah, uh, it's sim- very similar to what Colin Kaminsky said mm. in terms of his beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He was saying four two was kind of his sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, you go below that, and even then, you know, it starts getting a little too sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, for pale uh, ales is what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what he was talking about anyway. Right. So, you know, it depends on the beer. You know, it's always, <laughs> it always depends. It depends yes. on so many things. It's like, you know, well, how much, you know, how much salt and pepper do you like? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're, you know, what kind of food are you talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, you don't have like a strict salt and pepper that you use in every batch or... Yeah. You know, well, how much anal that. leakage do you have? It depends. You know? 
quite a lot for eight days. Quite a lot. It was brutal. Absolutely freaking brutal. Speaking of brutal, I think if you're listening live, you want to stay tuned and listen to uh, my report on uh, Portland with Porno Steve and uh, Randy Griggs. I think, uh, yeah, uh, that was an experience. Four days with Randy and Porno Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Uh I'm not sure if I would take the eight days of uh, anal leakage back over that, of four days of uh, Porno Steve and Randy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we're going to do a live uh, Brewing with Style next, and uh, I brought back fresh examples of Foreign Extra Stout from Singapore oh. uh, to use on the show. So I think that'll be be fun, and uh, we'll have all sorts of stories uh, you'll find the truth out about uh, Randy and Porno Steve uh, when we come back. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah, Steve, yeah, you're not going to get away with uh, anything on this show. Oh, I'm not expecting to. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything is grist for our listeners. All right. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I would suggest checking out our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. I don't know if you've been to adamandeve.com. I have. And uh, good people, good products. Um, you know, just a straightforward business uh, providing uh, some of the best uh, uh, stuff for your sexual pleasure with your loved ones. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. And you're going to get 50% off almost any item, three free DVDs, and a free Power-O vibrating ring, and free shipping. Free shipping. Shipping is usually where they get you. So 50% off at just one item, that's all you're going to pay. Then you're getting the DVDs, the Power-O ring, and the free shipping, all for going to adamandeve.com and using the offer code JAMIL, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. Good folks. Ooh. They sponsor us and have sponsored us for a long time. Um... You know, go there, find some stuff to enjoy with your your partner, and uh, support a good uh, a good sponsor of ours. Yes. Till then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. <laughs>